when she got in front of a bigger group, she just melted. And when she got in front of her leadership, she just melted. And so after chatting about it a little bit, she said, well, you know, they're looking at me. And I said, yes. And she said, well, maybe they're judging me. And I said, could be. You just got to be like Nike. Get over it. <laughs> Get on <laughs> just with do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> because there's no, there's no other cure. And I think that, that that's easy to say, of course, and sometimes harder to do. I think that just takes practice. Well, and it goes back to what you say, your quote, it takes effort to be effortless. Hi, welcome to Unscripted Pivots. I am your host, Danielle Sproles, and I have my new friend in the house. Her name is Shannon Alter. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you for joining us today. Danielle, thank you. I am so excited to be here. Thanks very much for having me. I want to give everybody an idea as to when I met you and first got wowed by your presence. You attended a multifamily summit that Commercial Real Estate for Women held uh, last fall, and you were one of the keynote speakers there. And you got up to you know, wow and dazzle us with your presentation skills and to impart your knowledge around that. And I was like all ears on the edge of my seat as I saw you work that room. You worked that room with confidence. You worked that room with clarity. And from that moment on, I said, okay, I'm going to get in touch with this person. And I saw that you were releasing a third book, if you will, and I am on pre-order for that. But that we'll get ahead uh, in that in a little bit. I want to talk to you about what you do. So just for everybody listening, Shannon is a global keynote speaker. She is a communication and presentation skills expert. She's an author, as I just mentioned. She's also an executive coach to boot. She's a national instructor for the Institute of Real Estate management. She's also an instructor for the American Management Association, which is also known as AMA. And she's also an instructor for the Institute for Organization Management, IOM. And you are the owner of Leaders Exceed LLC since August 2019. How do you do it all? Danielle, thank you so much for your gracious introduction. It is so much fun. You know, I I was thinking the other day, somebody had posted a little blurb on what did your elementary school teachers put on your report cards about you? (laughs) And the question was specifically about, I don't know, fourth or fifth grade. And I remember my fourth grade teacher, Mrs. DiGiulio, thank you, wherever you are, put Shannon talks too much. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's probably still the same. I just love the opportunity to chat with professionals and everybody in my field and really here and around the world. Well, you've always been about the power of communication, right? Yes. And today, you know, you reside in that space by working with organizations to communicate with clarity, to gain influence, build trust and scale their business. But that's not what you always did. And what I like to talk about on this unscripted pivots is where you started and how you got to where you are today. So Let's go back a few years, more than a few years, and talk about what you wanted to do when you were younger, and then we'll talk about how that skill set you know, transferred into what you do very successfully today. So take me back to uh, the earlier years, if you will. So going back to those earlier years, I graduated from USC with a degree in theater, so well-armed at that time, I thought, until my dad said, so you should get a job, a job that pays. I wanted so I wanted to be an actor in New York, and it was considered maybe a little unsafe at the time. So I took my dad's advice, and I went into what was then a personnel agency. When I walked in the door, I was all 20 or 21, 
this woman approached me. I don't know what she looked like. I don't know what her name was, but I remember what she said clear as day. She handed me this checklist, popped me into a little cubicle. Checklist probably had 15 different types of equipment on it. And she said, check off everything you can do. You can type, you can do blah, blah, blah. So I handed it back to her with a big fat zero because that's not what I wanted to do. I had a different vision of what I wanted to do in life, and that was not it. And so here's what she told me, and I know this will sound like a line out of a B movie, but it is true. <laughs> okay. She looked at me, right, marched me to the door, looked me in the eye, and said, you'll never amount to anything. You're just another pretty face. Wow. My jaw dropped, and so I kind of huffed up and said, watch me. Yeah. So I have to thank this woman for starting that realization that, you know, I can do, you can be anything you want. And to your point for the podcast, you do have time to pivot. I think sometimes when we're younger and maybe when we're older, we think that we're out of time or it's not the right time. And I think there's always time to pivot a little. Mm. I want to touch on this for a second because I've also experienced those moments during the course of my life where somebody kind of called me out. And maybe what they said had rang true to some degree, but it really unearthed this like uh, power within me to prove them wrong because I knew that I was more than that in the moment. And if I was showing up, you know, in somebody's interpretation of me that way, that something fundamentally had to be changed within me and around me and through me. So that's really cool. But it's those those moments where like, I don't think so. We're not going to go there. Okay? <laughs> exactly. So, but you are a very pretty face. So, you know, it's like kind of like a backward compliment, but you're so much, you're so, so much more than that. And so take me through what your dad was saying to you, the influence of your parents, because I know that, you know, it's unfortunate, especially back then that the artistic expression and career journeys along those lines weren't really considered to be viable options, right? Like you weren't going to gain any kind of independence. And maybe today there's a little less of that, especially with the presence of social media, right? Which is taking off its, mm -hmm. its own way. So you decided at what point that you were going to go into something else, because I know that there's a commercial real estate component to this coming. Yes, true. And so I decided pretty much right away because I thought I had to get that job. And I went into the hospitality business first. I worked for Weston Hotels for a while and then went into property management. However, I want to say first, I was speaking to a group of students the other day at a local university and they always, the students always want to know your background and what they could do and they want to know about those pivots. And one of the young men said, after hearing my story, he said, so did you go back into acting? Do you use that theater degree? And I had to think about it because they were talking about their majors and what would they use. And I said, you know, that's a really interesting question. I can't tell you that I've gone back into acting per se, but I do use those skills. So as you mentioned, I'm all about communication and communicating with clarity. And that's what you have to do if you're an actor. Use those same skills. Tell us a little bit about the acting experience when you were enjoying it and what type of productions you were aligned with at the time. Well, I can't sing, more's the pity, so that wasn't up my alley. <laughs> I, can't, but, I can't sing either. I can't even sing happy I like to. <laughs> uh, me either. I like to, but it's not happening. But I will tell you, yeah. this was an interesting experience. A, a few years ago, I decided to take an acting class. And I went to South Coast Repertory, which you may know, okay. in our local area. And I thought, you know, I'm going to take an adult acting class. They had acting one, acting two, acting three. 
And I thought, I speak and train for a living. This is easy peasy. I'm going into acting three. So I arrive in the class on a Monday night, and these people were professional actors. I thought, oh, gosh, what have I done? These people are professional actors. Why I didn't know this, I don't know. But they all had, you know, great headshots. They were all in shows. And there was me. Mm-hmm. And we had an instructor who was very fond of doing works from the great playwright Shakespeare, Chekhov, and the like. And if you've ever studied or seen any of those plays, you know that the language is a little bit different than what we use today. Absolutely. And so it's that, again, it's, it's communicating. But I'll tell you what I learned. I was so scared. It was so hard to learn that language. I thought, oh, no. But when you're up on stage with someone else, you really have to listen. And that's what I got out of it because A, the language in that case was very different and you have to sort of be able to translate it so that you, my audience or whoever that is, will understand what I'm saying. Mm. But you have to listen to that other actor or actors on stage because if you don't, you'll flub up if you're thinking about your grocery list or something and they'll flub up. That listening is key. You would, yeah, you would essentially ruin the rhythm of everything, and you don't want that to happen. But you know what's really terrific about this is that here you are, you know, I mean, self-assured and experienced in your space, but wanting to take it a little bit further. So you take an acting class, even though you have a strong foundation in many ways along those lines, but now you want to do it more seriously. And you went and you got into your discomfort zone. And that's where we continue to grow as individuals and people. And I celebrate that every time I say, you know, I see it, especially in a woman. I'm very sensitive to, um, I don't want to say a woman's plight so much as I think that we're perfectionists. The type A ones like ourselves, we are, and we hesitate to embrace those new paths, right? What I'm doing today, this is embracing a new path. I don't, we're pushing buttons. You and I were getting on here. Something (laughs) wasn't working. Just everybody knows out there, uh, Shannon was stuck in the the green room. I didn't even know what that meant. You know, Um, I'm very early on in this and we're just laughing and we're moving forward right? And we're not allowing fear to get the best of it. I think you have to have fun with it. I really, really do. I love it. So you were doing this acting class and then you really, you had to kind of dig deep and hone some new skills that yet you had, but that you wanted to like, you know, get a little bit better at, right? I love when we do that because we get a sense of compassion for other people. When we're like you, an author of three books, mind you, speaking not only around the country, but internationally as well. You're an acclaimed keynote speaker. You're asked to perform at all these workshops. You're paid well to do it. You're the owner of your own company. And yet you can come down a couple notches and say, I'm not done learning. I'm not done growing, right? And there's a really good message in that. There really, really is. So I think that's just terrific. I want to talk to you a little bit about your 92nd rule. You have something that I wish I would have known before I rolled out that uh, solo podcast really quick last week. Talk to us about that. It's so cool. So uh, what, Danielle, thank you. What you're talking about is a little video I did that you can see on my website and on YouTube, and it's called It Takes 90 Seconds. So it takes 90 seconds for someone, actually, it's a shorter time for somebody to come up with a first impression of you. So as I say, it has to be quick. My take on this is that so often when we want to have a conversation with our boss, we're presenting a business case, you're up at the front of the room leading a meeting, or you're actually on stage delivering a presentation, sometimes we want to go through things chronologically. My big advice there is don't do that. 
start in the middle. Start in the middle. Okay. Because think of what are the most important points that you want to get across. So say, here's an example. I used to work for somebody who would say, it was a leader who would say, you have five minutes with me, five minutes. So it was a little longer than 90 seconds, five minutes. But in truth, it was probably 90 seconds by the time you actually got in there. And if he even gave you that much, it was great. So you had to get your point across really quickly. If you don't get your point across quickly, then, you know, they're on to the next thing, next call, the next meeting, and you've lost your chance. So I always suggest that people put whatever depends how long you're talking for. Is it an hour, a day, five minutes? Put your top points first in your brain. Have three top points. Then have two more, maybe in what I would call your back pocket. So if you have time, you can go there. So the people on the other side of the conversation, say your your boss or your team, want to know that you know your stuff, but they don't have to hear every little detail. It's like getting to the heart of the matter, and then you can kind of, you know, not necessarily backpedal, but then support what it is that you're saying by going either in reverse or or going forward. That makes sense. Absolutely. You know, would you agree with the statement that I saw? The success of a presentation is 10% what you say and 90% how you say it. What do you think? Yes, that's an interesting statement. So 10% what you say, 90% how you say it. I might disagree with that a little bit. And here's why. I would say you have to know your content upside down, backwards, and sideways. Otherwise, you won't be credible. However, the way that you approach it does make all the difference. Because if how you say it isn't great, or you're so nervous that you have maybe what I call mumbleitis, you're kind of all crumpled in like this, and your voice is low, you're not going to convey that message very well. Yeah, I would agree. And and I first read it that way. And maybe that's the way that it was supposed to be, you know, imparted. But I don't know necessarily when I think about it, just talking to you now, that the thought is, it's not that you can't be prepared or that your content is irrelevant, but that you can be really good at what you're going to say content wise, but you can be completely lost in the delivery. Right? Yes. And I have suffered from this in the past and not so much today, thank God. But, you know, public speaking, presenting to a larger audience. So a lot of women will fairly easily navigate a room, especially if they feel comfortable amongst their peers. But when they're put on stage or all the spotlight is on them, they tend to shrink in corporate settings, okay, Mm -hmm. In, in boardrooms. And I'm just saying historically, there's been an advancement along those lines. And so I want to talk a little bit about what you're seeing in your work when you work with women. I know that, you know, there's a couple of things that, you know, I did some research on this and it it really kind of vibed with me that there's a couple of things that why women struggle with presentation. One of them is socialization, right? That we're socialized at a young age to be more polite or quiet or submissive. Little less today, but I will tell you 30, 40 years ago when I was being raised, I was treated and raised a lot different than my three brothers. I just was, right? Or how about, this is this one resonated with me, lack of role models. I go to a lot of conferences in the commercial real estate space, okay? And I will tell you, there is no doubt about it that we are underrepresented on panels. And there was a time where I thought that was the fault of the men. And I, I can't say that today. I don't know how many women are really vying for that spot and that voice. 
again, there's an improvement in that area. But a lot of people I know can be really smart and well-experienced and not want to be the face, okay, of that message on a panel, you know? And I think it goes to the perfectionism and, you know, the lack of confidence, maybe some fear of judgment, bias, stereotypes, all this stuff. It could be one big black hole. Again, there's improvement there, but what are you doing to help your female clients overcome some of this historical challenge? You know, that's a really interesting point. And I would agree with you. I think sometimes women tend to step back or sit back if they're in a meeting or if they, you know, they may miss that opportunity to speak up. And then sometimes they don't want to be on stage because you're right. They may not want that spotlight on them. I was working with one leader who was great, very personable one-on-one. When she got in front of a bigger group, she just melted. And when she got in front of her leadership, she just melted. And so after chatting about it a little bit, she said, well, you know, they're looking at me. And I said, yes. And she said, well, maybe they're judging me. And I said, could be. You just got to be like Nike. Get over it. <laughs> Get <on laughs> just do it. <laughs> <laughs> because there's no, there's no other cure. And I think that, that that's easy to say, of course, and sometimes harder to do. I think that just takes practice. So as you know, Danielle, I'm fond of saying it takes effort to be effortless. I know. That's a, that's a, that's a quote, guys. That's Shannon's quote. Yeah, it takes effort to be effortless. And this is why you're hired. This is why people enlist your support to get there. And, but it is, it's a mindset and it's a shift that just can't happen just because you want it to happen, right? I also think that women, when they're presenting, they're considering their entire package, not just what they're saying, but how they look. And heaven knows we can get very judgmental. We're harder on ourselves than other people are on us. What we're wearing, where our weight is at, where our age is at, all of these things come into play. I don't think the men are thinking about this, right? So we're really putting the burden on ourselves and and that's what has to change. And I think that that's going to get easier and better when we see more role models out there. And so it is, yeah, I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to start looking for opportunities to be more visible and take the stage because I'm not comfortable with it, but I feel that it's both a privilege and a responsibility to represent, you know, the women over 50, the women who have not been doing this for years and years. So yes, I see me calling you. I will be hiring you (laughs) to help me get in that space because I'm going to need, you know, your guidance and your expertise because just because I want to do it doesn't mean I can and I want to do it the best I can. And it does. It takes effort to be effortless. It takes preparation. And that's the only way you're going to even morph into a little bit of confidence, right? And then it takes positive feedback. You got, you're going to have all the, you're going to have those bad moments. I wish I did it this way, but then you start doing it well. People give you the positive feedback and then you start to believe it yourself. And then that's, that's the game changer. That's the game changer when you can believe it yourself. I would agree. And I think that, again, it just takes practice. So you were chatting earlier, Danielle, about, Uh, going along in your career and how long it takes us to become great at whatever it is we do. It takes that practice. So whether, no matter what field you're in, I guarantee you've had a lot of practice at getting as good as you are. And this is the same thing. So it's really about having a conversation. And I think, uh, I think it was Sheryl Sandberg who said, hopefully I don't mash the quote, that sometimes done is better than perfect. 
Yes. And we want to be perfect. So of course, if you're dealing with financials, people like you to be bright. <laughs> but aside from that, most of the time, people are fine if you are done. And for us to obsess when we're going to present over every little detail just makes us nervous. And so it's really that it's really that practice. One thing I like to do with people I work with is we work a little on self videos. They hate it, but they love it. And this is something that, that I talk about in my book because it works. Yeah. So usually what happens is everybody says, well, bring my phone up. So I say, Danielle, let's do a video, do it for 30 seconds or a minute, which is going to seem a really long time to you on any topic you want. So something you're comfortable with for a reason. So if you love to travel or it's about your kids or I have one lady uh, who like to go horseback riding. So whatever it is. So you do that video. And then after that's done and we do feedback, then I have you really translate those skills you learned into a work-related topic or a business-related topic or whatever it is that you want. Here's what happens. People are usually really, really worried about the tech. Now, this is with the caveat that I always say, wear what you're going to wear in that presentation. Don't worry about the tech. I recommend really you don't have your spouse or somebody that close to you do the video because you're going to be worried. Just stick a phone up there and do it. You don't need 30 takes. We aren't worried about that. So after they get beyond that, the, vid, the selfie is really great because it shows us, you can see what you do. You know, are you fidgeting? Are you swaying side to side? Are your clothes appropriate for the occasion? Are you giving me some good eye contact? All of those things. So those are things that we can work with to help you communicate even more clearly when you do that on a business platform. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. How many sessions does it really require typically for somebody to get ready for an important presentation? You know, that's such a great question. I had, uh, I had a comment once from a conference that I was speaking at, and it was a one-hour session. And somebody came back to me and said, well, I've been here an hour, and I'm not a great presenter yet. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> and I said well, okay. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> so okay. it could take an hour, but I liken this. You may have seen a story I tell where I liken this to being a hairstylist. If you have long, straight hair, I am not going to make it curly, you know, in five minutes. It's just <laughs> no, not going to happen. It takes a little practice. So I would say for me, this is what I do. I rehearse three times to three times only. So once I, because otherwise it's, I find it's like cramming for an exam in high school. It's too much stuff in my brain. And I'll tell you how I do that in a minute. I was talking with one person who said they practiced 80 times. Eight oh, oh, wow. Okay. That's too overload. much for me. You have to find what works for you. I do this once after I figured out what I'm going to say and I have slides or no slides or whatever it is. Then I do it again, maybe a week before I'm going to do the presentation. And I just to make sure it's coming out of my mouth the way I think it will. And then I do it one more time a couple of days ahead. And that's it. But I think what's important is everybody has to find their own flow. Sometimes people will say, well, I, I write it out or I write my notes and that's enough. No, you need to actually have it come out of your mouth. Yeah. Because what I write down may not be the same. And, and you know, not only that, you may trip over words that don't easily flow that you can easily yeah. read. So yeah, that, that's important. Yeah. That's, I could see that. So true. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about your books because I'm just, I'm so impressed that there's so many books within you. So you've got strategies for working with small tenants. You have Say It With Success, foolproof ways to enhance your presentation skills. 
And then you have one coming out in June. I mean, here we go. Be influential. Surefire ways to improve your presentation skills. And I am on the waiting list for that release, and I am looking forward to it. I want you to tell us a little about your journey as a new time author, what even inspired you to write a book and what you were thinking about when you started that journey. So, you know, from there to here, because it's a big deal and it's a big commitment financially, emotionally, time-wise. Indeed. Talk about exposure and you go, you do it for exposure, but at the same time you are exposed So talk to me a little bit, like, where were you at when you became a first-time author, and what was the encouragement, if any, around you to go into that space? So going back a little bit, I used to write a column for the Journal of Property Management, which is an iron publication, and it was a snappy 500-word column, so read that as one page. Snappy. And it was (laughs) snappy. It was snappy. And I, it was on marketing marketing both yourself, your brand, and just marketing. And I got to write about pretty much whatever what I wanted in that space. So it was great practice for me. And I did a lot of feature articles at the time. So I thought, well, sure, I can write a book. So the Strategies for Small Tenants was an iron publication. So they did all the heavy lifting. I just did the writing part. And then I thought, well, I'll put out, say it was success. And I think at the time, there wasn't as much noise in the space, or I was oblivious to it. It could be either one. Well, could you give me a little bit about what year we're talking about and what you Yes, this is, this is about 10 years ago, so probably 2012. So, but how much time between the first book and the second? Oh, they were pretty close. Okay. They were pretty close, okay. yes. The first is more technical, specifically real estate or hospitality related. And then, uh, say with success, I just put it out there to get it out there because I had heard, hey, you should have a book. It, you know, it helps credibility. You had and a voice and you not? had something to say and you've already- I broke, did. You've broken the seal. You transferred your power of communication into words. You, were, you, you recognized you had, you know, very solid writing ability. And now it seemed to me like it morphed into a more creative expression of your work, right? It did. And I, mm. I confess, I did not really know what I was doing about it at the time. <laughs> so I, I just- that's what I, I want to hear. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not, people. I just wrote it. I self-published it. I don't even think the publisher is still around, to be honest. <laughs> okay. I did find a copy editor, and there we were. Oh. And I okay. didn't do much. That was it. So this time around, I thought, you know, writing a book is exactly as hard as they say it is. Okay. It is hard. Yeah. So for me, I'm pretty good once I get going, but it's I need to get the the stuff out of my head. So that's mm-hmm. the hard part. I'm working with a, a great editor who I actually worked with back in the day on those columns. And um, she has been helping me a lot. Thank goodness. Because I think you need a second eye to look at, to look at what you've got. Because when I write, it's more, it's very conversational. It's very approachable, but it's more like that conversation. Mm. She has helped really, I think, I hope to elevate it. And probably tighten it up. Right. So, I mean, it takes a bit of a village to do what we want to do. But at the core of all this is your talent and your message. I love when I see someone getting help, because when you're really good at something, it's very easy to think that you can do it alone. Like, why would I need that added value? Why do I even want to pay for that? Why do I even want to deal with the relationship around it? Because you become somewhat married in that process. Right. I mean, there's there's effort involved in that. And so but it's so important that we do that because that's how we get into, you know, a higher place. So let me ask you this. 
Does the 90-second rule that you've come up with, does this also apply in your writing style in books so that you can kind of like get started? Yes. So often that's a really good point because I think people ask often, how do I, how do I get started? Right? Yeah. <laughs> there's the pen, there's the page. <laughs> what do I do? And sometimes I have to remember to take my own advice, you know? But there's a, there's a quote from the actor Kate Blanchett. I saw her on 60 Minutes a couple of years ago. Love her. And the interviewer, who is Leslie Stahl, said something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing, so what do you do? How do you start in your acting process? What's the most challenging thing? And she thought a moment. She said, the hard part is just starting. Yes. It's just starting. So writing that first paragraph or when you're doing a presentation, what am I going to do? So I have lots of tips and tactics in this book of, how you can start, how to get those ideas out of your head, because they have to come out somehow, or you've got them all just rolling around in there. How do you get them out of your head? How do you vet them? So whether it's an editor, a copy editor, a friend, a colleague, to make sure you're on the right track and are not, you know, you're not going 16 different directions. So that's really helpful. So that's where that 90 second rule, you're right, does come in is, uh, you know, you don't want to get off track. You're described as somebody who communicates clearly, helps people be more influential. People come to you to boost their confidence, create an impact, increase their sales, overcome their jitters, scale their business. Are you finding that you're getting more men coming to you, women, organizations? Who's coming for this? Because you do deliver it. Your reputation and your experience you know, says so. Thank you. Uh, you know, that's an interesting question. I think, uh, let me think about this. When I, so I do work for companies, for, uh, so for organizations, for associations, BOMA, IRM, IFMA, all of that kind of thing, and individuals in terms of executive coaching. And I would say when it comes to companies it's, and associations, probably 50-50. Okay. So, yeah, they, unless it's a you know, women's leadership group or something like that, it's usually 50-50. I would say, on the executive coaching end, it's been more women than men, but sometimes I will say it really, it really, of course, comes from the leader of that group. So I have uh, clients who are male, male and female alike, and if they recommend to their team that, hey, bring Shannon in as a coach, then I, I think it's, again, maybe 50-50. Okay. You know, I don't know if I've shared with you, I'm exploring this space as well. I'm going to begin my ICF certification, not to replace my commercial real estate career. I mean, I've been in title insurance for more than two decades, but this is something that I feel I'm called to do, and I'm just going to follow that lead. Um, I've done it, you know, organically uh, for the last couple of years, but not professionally. And so, you know, again, just to get outside our comfort zone and, and to do what we think that we should be doing, right? So I will be enlisting you for guidance in that place too, for sure. You do so many wonderful things um, on your website. And also you have such a strong, robust presence on LinkedIn. You know, within there, you have so many tips of the trade and tools um, and you, you, you're writing there and it's fantastic. I've been looking at it and I encourage everybody, it'll be in the show notes, but you have to check out all that Shannon shares um, with her. You were saying that uh, there's top 10 traits of persuasive people. Talk to me a little bit about that. So first of all, Daniel, what you're referring to is I like to put together some 
downloads that are available for anybody to look at. I'll put them on LinkedIn. I think you'll post a few in the show notes. I will. And when you, when you think about who, think about who you want to communicate to and how you can be persuasive. So how can you be influential? And to me, that really means getting people to help you do what you need to get done because they want to. Mm -hmm. So getting you to help me with X, Y, Z, because you want to, not because I tell you to, for example, if I'm a leader. And that really takes being, it takes being clear. It takes being transparent. It takes being authentic, which is sometimes sounds easier than it is. Sometimes as leaders, we have a message that we want to get across, but it isn't sounding as authentic to our team. And you know, I mean, the easiest example would be if someone's smile doesn't reach their eyes. Yes. You know, yes. Kind of for a visual. And you can tell that in someone's voice as well. So it's really helping, in some cases, helping clients to say they're more transactionally based or fact based, helping them to kind of warm that up again, because it's all about building the relationship. How difficult is it um, to help people transform their body language, right? So what they're saying is really important Uh, and it's tightened up and it's accurate, but how difficult is it when you're working with clients and, you know, when when they're, because the visual component is so powerful. That's such a good question. And I admit I'm not a body language expert, but, but in my workshops and in coaching, we do look at body language and voice. Because earlier I referred to somebody who had what I call mumbleitis. So great woman, great <laughs> yeah. All right. But when you got her in front of a group, she just shrank yeah. and her voice became very tiny or she turned away. Makes a big difference because if you're going to go to a, whether it's a conference session or a meeting or whatever with your team, if you can't hear somebody, what happens? You're going to tune out or That's fall right. asleep, mm-hmm. which we don't want. And that body language, I think, needs to be purposeful. So I encourage people when they're rehearsing whatever it is they're going to do, do that as well. And you can take some tips from the stage. So if you've ever seen a great play or a great movie, you don't see all of the stuff that happens, all the action that happens behind the scenes. You don't see the actors setting the mark, the lighting people getting the cues ready, et cetera, et cetera. You don't see the actors blocking their steps. But you can do that easily at home. Well, and it goes back to to what you say, your quote, it takes effort to be effortless. When I met you at the Commercial Real Estate for Women Multifamily Summit, you were one of a couple speakers doing a four-hour presentation on a very early Saturday morning. Okay, so we, we came in a little bit tired. You walked that room and you had this like fluid energy about you. And I'm not sure if you went on as number two or three, but I'm pretty sure you weren't number one because you had an impact on me. I thought, oh, here we are now we're getting not a show, but we're we're getting engaged. We're getting interactive. And it was just a pleasing shift to what was happening. And it made an impression. I, I took mental note, Danielle, when you're speaking to a group, make sure that you're moving because then all of a sudden it was like you became part of the community that you were speaking to. And it, it just, it struck me and it stuck with me. So I, I'll, I've learned from you without you even knowing I'm learning from you. <laughs> uh, that's the greatest. Thank you. That's the greatest. Thank you. You know, for me, if I have a choice, you will never see me behind a podium unless someone makes me. Yeah. Uh, because then you're trapped by that podium. I call but some it. people want to hide, but no, but some people say, yes. where is the podium? <laughs> they do. They want to hang on the coverage? to dear life. So my advice is to all clients and all people, 
get out from behind that podium. And then people go, oh, no. <laughs> yes, get out from behind that podium. Because for me, I like to be down there with the audience. That's where I get yes. my energy. And that's where I can see eyeball to eyeball. Are you getting it? Are you with me? Do you have a question? Whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Because my goal is to engage you. Because if you're not engaged, then, you know, we have a problem. So my goal is to engage you. And that's how I learn too. Because I may think I have all the, you know, I know what all the questions are and everything else, but I don't. I'm going to learn each and every time. Absolutely. So what's on the horizon next professionally? The book's coming out. Is there going to be a book tour? What's going on? Uh, what, 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 <laughs> what next conference are you speaking at? Where can we find you? Okay. Well, a book tour would be great, but I don't know that I'm John Grisham yet. So hopefully some <laughs> signings out there. Yes. Um, I am speaking at the BOMA International Conference at the end of June. That's in Kansas City. And I am doing a session at the Iron Conference at the end of, uh, no, in October. Okay. So, so, so anybody listening that's not in commercial real estate, this is commercial real estate uh, acronyms for what? Building owners and management. Go ahead. Do you want to correct. say what they are? <laughs> yes. Building Owners and Management Association and Institute of Real Estate Management. But I also do uh, conference sessions for groups who are not in real estate. So if you're not in real estate, it still applies. I am hoping that uh, this book is, well, I'm hoping a lot of people enjoy this book. It will be out in early June. As Danielle mentioned, uh, it's called Be Influential, Surefire Ways to Improve Your Presentation Skills. And you can see it on my website at www.leadersexceed.com. It will be available for pre-order starting probably Monday or Tuesday. Excellent. I should state those dates. I will have all those show in my show notes. It will have links to your website and to all the awesome. other social media. Um, and definitely, I mean, you're one to follow on LinkedIn too. Believe, believe it or not, I, I love Thanks. to see all your regular consistent postings. They're very helpful. So that's what you're doing in the professional space. But I know that you're going on a trip. Just quickly before we wrap up, you're going to Paris. So uh, tell everybody. I am going, going to Paris. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah. This is a trip with my daughter who I recently moved back from New York City to Berkeley. And we both love to travel almost anywhere. Oh. This is uh, this was a pandemic deferred travel. So okay. twice. So oh, third wow. time is the charm, and mm-hmm. we are going to go to Paris and hopefully have pan au chocolat, however you say <laughs> that, I don't know. Just the two of you, oh, enjoy. What a golden opportunity. I have um, four kids, three boys, one girl, and I've yet to take a, I've taken a few mother-daughter small trips, but nothing as grand as that, so I'll have to put that on my to-do list, too. Time to go. Yeah. Time to go. That's fantastic. Yeah.